This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Father, I ask for your anointing this morning. I pray for clarity and I pray for your power. I pray that every one of us would have ears to hear what your spirit has to say to your church today. Lord Jesus, we have gathered to be able to eat of your word today. Would you feed us so that our spirit May it be strong in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God's heart has always been, from the foundation of the world, that every single person in the world would be able to have a relationship with him. We see that God made a covenant with Abraham, and in that covenant, God committed to Abraham, and Abraham made a commitment to God. That promise would continue down through the years. And God ended up communicating to and through a special group of people called the Jews. They were his chosen people. They were set apart. And God tells us in his word that he intended for the Jews to be a light to the rest of the world. And there were times when they represented God well, but unfortunately, more times than not, they disobeyed God, they followed after idols, and they did not obey God's covenant and his commandments. And yet God had patience with them. Moses, as he was caring for these two million plus Israelites, interceded on their behalf. In fact, God's so upset with them one time that he said, Moses, step aside. I'm going to wipe them all out and I will make a new group of people, a new nation through you. And Moses said, oh, but God, you said that you would take these people to the land And because Moses stood in the gap, God said, all right, we're going to continue moving forward. But he said, none of those who have been wandering in the desert would make it to the promised land except for two people, Joshua and Caleb, because they were of a different spirit. And God even said to Moses, he said, Moses, you're going to be able to see the promised land, but you won't be able to enter it because you and your brother Aaron did not honor me before the people. And even though they were the ones that made you upset, you disobeyed me. And instead of speaking to the rock, you hit it. And so God's people would end up going into the promised land through Joshua and Caleb and all of those who were children in the wilderness. But God's heart was that not only the Jews... But every single nation would be able to have a relationship with him 
So Jesus came, the promised Messiah, and he gave his life on the cross, and then he ended up ascending into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples that they were to wait for a special empowerment of the spirit of the living God so that they could be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This was a huge change. And this really shocked the early church. So much so that if you read in Acts chapter 15, there was a big debate over what you had to do to be able to really be a Jew and a follower of Jesus at the same time, considering all of the rules and the regulations that were in place. They established some key, key points that they said you would do well if you honor these, but there were many things that when Jesus came that he fulfilled, and so we no longer have to do because they were fulfilled in Christ. And so there were those who were really focused on the in-house transformation. And one of those was Peter. Peter uh, was very much appreciative of the fact that the Jews had received their Messiah. But there was a process that God needed to walk him through so that he could get a glimpse and an understanding of a very important reality, and that was that God did not only care about the Jews, but he cared about the Gentiles too. Now, there may be some of you who have Jewish blood in this room, but I'm not aware that I do, and I am very grateful for the fact that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ went beyond the realm of the original chosen people the Jews. And I am a grateful Gentile today because of what Jesus did, not only in giving his life, but then in sending the message around the world. And I am a testimony to the grace of God, of his intention to go beyond his chosen people, the Jews. Well, Peter was in this process. And so I want to share with you from the word of God in Acts chapter 10, exactly how God worked this out to broaden the horizon of Peter's perspective. And I believe that God wants to broaden your perspective too. So let's read together. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at the angel in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives 
near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day. As Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. I'm sorry, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. And then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven, and Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Now, Peter grew up from a little boy, learning exactly what was kosher, and learning exactly what he was supposed to eat and not to eat. Now, he, is, he has followed Jesus. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and now... Peter is in this process of sharing the message of Jesus Christ to those around him, but his perspective is still limited. And so God, through this vision, uh, shows him this sheet full of all these animals which were not supposed to be eaten under the old covenant. And he is told, kill and eat. Now, it really rocks your world when something you've been taught all your life you're told doesn't apply anymore. That's huge. Well, my mom told me that wasn't supposed to be the way it was. My dad told me that's not supposed to be the way that it was. And now God in heaven is telling me to do the exact opposite of what I was raised in? That's exactly the situation Peter finds himself and he was perplexed, no doubt. This was something that radically would affect his worldview. Now, it applied to the animals, but God wasn't primarily interested in the animals. His statement was, do not call unclean what I have called clean. Now, the Jews were not even allowed to go into the homes of Gentiles and eat with them. Why? Because they were considered unclean. And God is setting up a teaching moment to explain to Peter that I care about the Gentiles too. That people who are considered unclean, I, through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, have welcomed them into the family and they are now considered clean. Never used to be. They weren't allowed to be able to fellowship in that level. 
But something that they were never supposed to do now is something that God is saying, I have made a way. The Messiah has come. He has broken down the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile. And Peter is perplexed about this whole thing. And God is about to take the lesson to a brand new level. A vision is where it starts there for him. And then the voice speaks to him. Now, it says in, there, in verse 17, Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. I love how God times stuff. He's so perfect. We sing that song, you're perfect in all of your ways. He really is. He really is. See, he sets this whole thing up. And he sets it up without necessarily one person communicating with the other. God is on one end, on another area, setting things up, as well as working on a whole other area, and it all comes together so perfectly. And so God had already sent this angel to speak to Cornelius. He, these men are coming to visit Peter. But can you imagine if God had not prepared Peter's heart? What would Peter's answer have been? Uh, excuse me, I don't do that. I don't go to Gentiles' homes and have, have, have a, a, a meal with them. In fact, I don't go into their homes because they're considered to be unclean. God prepares hearts so that when things are brought to um, the, 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 the situation that you're dealing with, your heart is already prepared. If you allow the Spirit of God to speak to you, he will prepare you for the things in the next few days, weeks, or months that are going to come where you're going to have to make a tough decision. You have to trust God to do that. And that's exactly what he's doing here with Peter. So they arrive, and they asked if Peter's there. Verse 19, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Here he is puzzled. He's like, this, this is really odd. Really odd vision that I had. Goes against everything that I'm used to. And God is about to bring it to this new level. The Holy Spirit says, uh, three men have come looking for you. God is still in the prophetic business, my friends. If you listen, he'll speak to you. There are times where he will not only open up a scripture to you, he'll do that too, but he'll also speak to you very practical things that you need to know. Like, there are three men coming to your house to visit you. I just want to give you a heads up on that. And then he says, but don't worry, for I have sent them. Oh, how wonderful it is to have a confirmation from God. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, uh, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. This is not a Jew. This is a Gentile. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Here is an angel sent by God that goes to talk to Cornelius. Uh, can you imagine having an angel from God show up in your house and just, you know, to have a little chat, conversation with you? But notice what the angel did not tell Cornelius. The angel said, 
there is a message that you need to hear that I am not sent to tell you. Go get Peter, because he'll tell you all about it. God has intended that the good news of the gospel be proclaimed by you and I, those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And instead of the angel going over all the details of the good news, he says, there's someone else who's got to tell it to you. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in this room as a follower of Jesus Christ, don't be waiting on the angels to get out there and evangelize because that's your job. You're the one who was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, not the angels. There's a song in heaven, it says in the book of Revelation, that we are going to be able to sing that the angels will have to stay out of. But we get to proclaim that we have been bought by the blood of Jesus. And that good news is for us, the redeemed, to be able to share. And so Peter, he's on his mission, this mission by God. Verse 23, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Now, it's obvious that Cornelius didn't have a full understanding here. He bows before Peter and starts to worship Peter. Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside and where others were assembled together. Verse 28, Peter told them, you know that it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise the Lord that through the blood of Jesus, that barrier has been removed. And so Peter says, you know that I'm not really supposed to be doing this according to my laws, but God has shown me that there has been a change. There has been a transformation. And so I came, verse 29 says, without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, well, four days ago I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, and Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. My friends, when you obey the Lord, he takes good note of what you do. When God impresses you to bless a friend with some money, God sees that when you follow through. He also sees when you pray, the angel stood before Cornelius and said, God has heard your prayers and he has seen what you've done. It doesn't take an angel to be able to share that news. And so I'm here to remind you this morning, God is hearing your prayers and he is seeing what you're doing. Don't give up. 
because as you continue to persist, your answer is on the way. Be faithful and persistent. God will fulfill his promises to you. Verse 32, now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given to you. And then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. As your pastor, I'm delighted to be able to see in this very room men and women from nations around the world because that's God's heart. The scripture tells us that on that final day, when we gather before the throne of God, there will be people from every tribe, every language, every nation that are going to get, gather together to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm delighted to be able to have a small picture of what heaven's going to be like right here at Christian Life Center. And I want to remind you, God loves people that are different than you. And because he loves people that are different than you, he expects you to love people that are different than you. And it takes going out of your way to demonstrate the love of God, to care about someone who has a different culture than you do who does things differently than you do. Because what God cares about most is the heart. And when you begin to love people like God does, you'll be able to deal with some things that you're not used to. You'll be able to eat food you haven't eaten before. You'll be able to try to learn a couple words of a language that you don't speak. Why? Not just so that you can be able to fit in with that group, but rather so that you can demonstrate the love of God in a very genuine way. Because God loves everybody. And he wants us to love everybody too. This was a big breakthrough for Peter. Because all through his life, there were people that he would avoid. But all of a sudden, God is saying, don't avoid them anymore. God says to us that he wants us to represent him well. And if we're going to do that, we've got to go out of our way to reach people of every nation, of every, of every language, and of every tribe. As Jesus said, that his house would be the house of prayer for all nations. And that's my prayer for Christian Life Center, that we will genuinely be a house of prayer and of the proclamation of the word for all nations. And so Peter now is sharing this message. He says, 
you know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. Now, look at the setting. Jews in the home of Gentiles preaching the message of the gospel. And Peter's not done yet. Peter's not getting to the point of giving an altar call. He's just going on about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the people who are in the room, they're hungry for the message of the gospel. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit knows the perfect timing. And while they're sitting there, no doubt their ears are open. Their hearts are hungry. They're just soaking the message in. And God says, well, why wait any longer? Even while Peter's talking, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pour out my spirit on this place. And Cornelius is there. His family and friends are there. And all of a sudden, interrupting Peter, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon these people who have gathered to be able to hear the message of the gospel. And Peter wasn't the only Jew present. Verse 45 says, The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. This was something unexpected. No doubt they were looking around going, well, we the Jews, we get the, uh, we get the first fruits, and, and so we've got kind of a corner on the market on our Messiah. And they're sitting there listening to Peter share. No doubt they were wondering what was going on. They probably felt a little uncomfortable. Uh, because there's no indication that they had the vision that Peter had. They were there because they were trusting Peter. They were, no doubt in their mind, they're wrestling with this whole thing. You know, this is not normal. We're not supposed to be in this person's house. Peter says, but God sent me to this house. Okay, let's see. And all of a sudden, God pours out his spirit. And the Jewish believers are kind of like, what? Really? On them too? Them too? These are Gentiles. These are people that we were supposed to stay out of their homes. We weren't supposed to eat with them. And God is pouring out his spirit upon them? Well, how did they know that God had poured out his spirit upon them? It's very interesting. Read verse 46. 
it says, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So while these people are in the home, they've gathered together to hear the message of the good news. The Spirit of God is poured out upon them, and they begin to speak in a language that they don't know and begin to praise God. And it was so evident that the Jewish believers were like, what is going on here? Because the Gentiles are also receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit's baptism. Now, Peter, he's in the middle of all this going on. Uh, no doubt he's like, well, when God interrupts the message, I'd better just be quiet and move right along with what God's doing. That's wise to do. And so Peter says, well, can anybody object to these guys getting baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. My friends, God is not a respecter of person. He is not a respecter of culture. He is not a respecter of language. He is not a respecter of skin color. He's not a respecter of economic status. But God's heart, he is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. May every one of our hearts be so broad that we would never limit the work that God wants to do. That people that maybe in your life you feel like that person is a very hard person to reach with the gospel. My friend, God is able. God has touched the hearts of people who have been in opposition to him, just like Saul was. When Saul was proclaiming threats against the followers of Jesus, the power of God knocked him off of his horse and revealed the truth to him. And then he proclaimed the message of the gospel all around. I want to challenge you today to broaden your horizon, to see those that maybe seem like they are not candidates for the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to have access to them too. You know, Jesus, he didn't come for those who had it all together. He didn't come to save a person after they quit drinking and doing drugs and smoking and all these kinds of things. Oh, those things bring destruction in the life of people. But God never said, clean yourself up and then I'll consider you. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God cares about the person even now who is not here in church this morning, but is walking under darkness. Their eyes have been blinded. They do not know the truth. Maybe in their heart they yearn for a transformation, but they are still bound by the chains of the enemy. God wants to set that person free as well. And he wants to use you to minister the message that will set them free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed because the power is in the word of God. 
You don't have a market or a corner on the market regarding the power of God. The power of God is in the Word of God. And when you proclaim the Word of God, it'll handle itself. All you've got to do is be obedient. The Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's able to cut between those motives of the heart and all of those things that you and I can't really discern, he does. All you've got to do is let the word loose in the situation. Speak it. You don't even have to know what to do next. You just got to be obedient. I will be honest with you, there have been times God has challenged me to say something and in my mind, I thought, well, Lord, what do I do after that? And the Spirit of God has spoken to me and said, Joseph, you don't need to know. You just obey. And isn't that what he told his disciples? He said, don't prepare in advance what you're going to say when you stand before leaders and try to defend me. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you exactly what my Father wants you to say at that moment. That's the walk of faith. You walk in obedience and God shows you what to say. Maybe you're here today and the Spirit of God has been tugging at your heart because like Cornelius, you have a heart that longs after God, but you have needed to hear the message. Even if an angel showed up in your room, you know what he would, he would do? He would defer you to the messenger that God has given the message to, to share it with you. And I'm here to convey a message from God to you today. God loves you, and he wants your soul saved. Coming to church as a duty, will not save anybody. But when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross to pay for your sins, the Bible says that all of your sins are forgiven because they've been nailed to the cross. Your shame can be washed away and you can be made completely clean by the power of the Spirit of God. If you would close yourself in with God in this place for a few moments, I want to ask everyone present, I never take for granted that because you're in church that you're ready to be in heaven. You could be a member of this church and that alone will not save you. Only Jesus can save you. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I want Jesus to come in and transform my life. I don't want to be the same person that I've been. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm willing to follow Jesus. If that's you in this place, would you simply raise your hand as a declaration of faith? to say, I choose today to give up my sin and to follow Jesus. 
if that's you, I see your hand. God sees your hand, my brother, and yours, my brother and sister. God sees your hand as well. Is there anyone else? The Spirit of God says to you from his word, today is the day of salvation. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. Is there one more? This is your opportunity. The Spirit of God is calling you. Will you respond? Right now, what we're going to do is simply what God asks us to do. He says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. It's not of our works that we can boast, but it's because of what Jesus did. For those of you who are about to make this choice, in your heart, by asking the Lord to come in, I want you to know it's the most important decision that you could ever make. Following Jesus sometimes isn't easy, but my friend, God always has your best interest in mind. And he loves you unconditionally. We're now going to pray, and I invite you to join with me in this prayer. It's simply a prayer of guidance for you to be able to help make this choice to say, God, I welcome you to come in. And as you do, the Holy Spirit is going to flood your soul. Your name will be written in the book of life. And the Bible says all of heaven will rejoice. So let us join together in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I choose today to follow you. Please forgive me of my sin and wash my heart clean. I choose from this day forward to surrender my heart completely to you. Thank you for your promise that my sins would be forgiven. I accept you now. Please come into my heart and make me a brand new person. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for what he has done through his Holy Spirit. A few words of encouragement to you. God loves to spend time with you. And he wants you to spend time with him. Some key things. One, you need to read the word of God. It's not important how much you read, but whether you understand what you're reading. Number two, you need to spend time talking to God. Talk to him just like you would talk to your friend. 
And number three, you need to get together with people who love Jesus. Here at Christian Life Center, we welcome you. If you're from farther away, find a good church that preaches the word of God and get rooted and grounded in the body of Christ. And also, it's very important that you follow the next step, which is what our candidates are going to be doing this morning, to follow Christ's example in water baptism. It is important that you follow the Lord in the next step as well. May God richly bless you as you follow him with all of your heart.